The Bible says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. May he bless his word. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we are thrilled to be able to be together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, our loved ones in Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, that we would be a blessing and encouragement to one another, that we would just um, be able to minister to one another, bear one another's burdens, and rejoice with those that rejoice. And, Father, that our attention this morning would be directed upward as we remind ourselves and we, are, we remind one another of why we're here. We are, worship, we are here, Father, to worship you. We are here to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I pray that you would bless in every way possible. Your word, use it, Father, powerfully in our hearts to transform us. Father, please save souls. Please save folks that have been walking in darkness, that do not see the glorious light of the gospel, that they might see it, that they might realize the the incredible thing you have done for us, in sending Jesus Christ to pay for our sins so that we don't have to face the consequences, uh, Lord, which will just be disastrous. And we ask your blessing today on every aspect of our service. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege you've given us another day. And not one of us deserved it, Father, and yet you're so good to us. So help us to make the most of this day as if it was our last. Help us to rejoice, help us to glorify you And just to bask in how blessed it is to be a child of the King. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 2. I want to uh, just praise the Lord for the conference. There's so many blessings of being with those men. And Chad's Ford Baptist Church will always hold a very, very special place in my heart. In fact... um, a dear friend of mine, Pastor Dave Natale, founded that church, pastored there for almost 20 years, and I could not help but just feel his presence there. I sent him a text during the conference, and I told him where I was, and 
Uh, just love that guy. And I love all the, I love Pastor Moats. What a, just a precious man there. Uh, there were so many things. In fact, Gore on the way home, Gore was commenting, uh, and this has to do with probably my biggest blessing. He was, he was commenting how encouraged he was by how many young, young men there were there. And uh, what a blessing. And, and the biggest blessing to me uh, of all, of many, was I got, to, I got to meet Pastor Craig Griffith's son, Jeremiah, is one of his younger sons, who's now a young man, uh, just, just finishing his tour in the Army, became an Army Ranger, and now he wants to go into, um, uh, better not, he wants to go into ministry. And um, just what a, you know, I, I grew up, went to high school with his, his mom, and just dearly loved his dad. And uh, who has passed away, got sick. Many of you know Pastor Craig Griffith's story. But just to meet his son and fellowship with him, just and, and several other young men too. One that I, I met two years ago. Um, it just, what a blessing. What a real blessing. Uh, and the messages, other than the, the guy at 5 o'clock on Friday, I can't speak for him, but man, I just, Pastor Kelly Sensenig, Pastor Motes, Dr. Cremard, um, who am I missing, Jim? Who was the first guy? Boyce? Well, yeah, B. Uh, not was it wasn't Boyce. Do you have the thing right there? I Boyer. <laughs> Boyer. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that, Jim. So you're you're off the hook there. Uh, and of course, Pastor Griffith. What a just just to be under his preaching. Jim Jim said it. So he did two messages. One was uh, one was about wives. Eh, that felt a little uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one was children, and uh, boy, very convicting, very powerful, uh, but what a great time, and the food was good too, besides. <laughs> All right, let's turn to Romans chapter 2. I want to begin a series, uh, you know, sometimes I'll do um, book studies, and like we're doing in the evening service on Jeremiah. A lot of times I like to do topical messages in the morning. Um, given the needs of our church, and um, I am 100% for expository preaching. And uh, there's some preachers today, there's a big movement, you know, like every message has to be, you have to be in a book doing a book study. And I know pastors that only do that, and and God bless them, um, you know, and I do that a lot. But that does not mean that topical messages are not expository. Uh, We are going to be expounding the scriptures. There's In the next... Today and then in two weeks. Next week I'm going to take a break and do a different topic. Thanksgiving. But at least today and then in two weeks, uh, we're going to do a topical message, but we are going to be expounding three texts we're going to be looking at primarily. uh, Romans chapter 2, and then uh, in two weeks we'll actually go back to the the end of Romans chapter 1 to get some of the context there. Matthew chapter 7. In the beginning, uh, the first few verses, five or six verses, and then First Corinthians chapter four, which Charlie did not too long ago, fits in with our topic. But so the topic that we're going to be looking at today and in two weeks is called. It has to do with with judging, judging, and it's the double standard. Have you ever heard of that? The double standard. And uh, so we're going to talk about what is a double standard. And by the way, a lot of the dictionaries that I looked up online, some of them brought out what they called a double standard that I don't think hit the nail on the head. So we're going to talk about what is a double standard. Now, when you think of a double standard, do you think of it as a good thing or a bad thing? Just 
bad thing, right, and it is. Uh, it didn't start that way. We'll give you some of the history of it. But having a double standard is something really that you and I want to avoid. Uh, because, in other words, it's being inconsistent in what we, what we condemn, really. And, and judging, the bottom line, judging has to do with condemning something. So today we're going to look at Romans chapter 2. We'll probably go to some of these other passages a little bit. Um, but Romans chapter 2 gives to us a clear explanation of what having a double standard is. Let's bow in prayer first before we jump in. Father, thank you again for a precious weekend. Thank you for good fellowship. Thank you for uh, just all the men, 100 or so men that are coming from around um, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, probably other places as well. That these men uh, involved in their local churches, serving you, wanting to do right. And uh, Lord, thank you. Um, thank you for all the things that were discussed. And, and Lord, thank you for Jim's testimony too. I know it was a testimony of probably all of us there. That when we sit under preaching like that, we, we are so aware of our own inadequacy. But we are exhorted to strive to be more godly, to be a better man. And uh, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for hard-hitting preaching. Thank you for encouragement. Thank you for the love of the brethren. And I just pray for all the churches that are represented by the men that were at that fellowship this weekend. Uh, bless each church. May they prosper. May they stand strong. Uh, and thank you, Lord, for the godly older men that were at this conference that many of us have looked up to and can continue to look up to as an example. And we ask your blessing in t today on your word. Help us, Father, to, to not, be a, not to just acknowledge something that we all see and we all know and we all, all really disdain when we see it in other people, but we don't always see it in ourselves. So help us to, help us to do some self-judging today uh, so that we might be, uh, try to be more consistent, that we might allow the Spirit of God to reveal any wicked way in us that we might... Um, be a better example for you. And we ask your blessing. Father, there's no doubt folks that uh, are unsaved that will come across this message, most likely. And I just pray that, that, um, that you would even use this concept, uh, Lord, because we all, we all judge, we all have opinions, we all express those opinions. And I pray, Father, that um, while we often point the finger at others, uh, Lord, as, Pelle, as Pastor Sensenig said, we, we, there's, every time we point one finger at one person, there's four uh, or three or four fingers pointing back at us. Help us to realize that. And we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I think Pastor Sensenig mentioned, he said, when you're pointing fingers at someone else, you got, did he say three or four? When you're, so I'm thinking as I'm praying, you have, you have three, right? Your thumb technically doesn't count. Oh, he was doing this? Okay, so did he, so whatever, but you've heard that before, right? When we're pointing the finger at someone else, actually the thumb usually is going forward. I just figured that out. But there are three fingers coming back to us. And it's so true with messages that uh, when, when you hear a message, so many times the first thing you want to do is think, oh, I know somebody that needs to hear that message. I hope they're listening. And maybe, you know, I've, I've seen it before. Where I'll, I'll make a point and I'll see someone in the church looking over at someone else like, 
And maybe it's someone I know that struggles with something I'm saying, and, and I'm like thinking, oh, you know, I hope that person doesn't see them looking. But it's natural, is it not? It's natural to see the weaknesses in other people. But the danger is, this, this idea of a double standard, is that often we will use a measurement for our opinion, and we will not realize that as we're throwing the, you know, pointing the finger at them, if we were able to just stand back and think about that standard, we may actually be condemning ourselves. In fact, in this text, Romans chapter 2, I'm convinced the context of this text Paul is exactly doing that. And we'll look at that next time in two weeks because we'll look at the end of chapter 1. We're probably not going to look at that today. But that sets the scene for what Paul is about to condemn. And, and what's really happening is he's kind of setting up. He's talking about it, it, Romans, the first few chapters are it's, it's the doctrine of justification by faith in Romans. Chapters 1 and 2 and 3 deal with condemnation. First the Gentiles, chapter 1, and then the Jews in chapter 2. But he's kind of, in some way, he's kind of setting them up in chapter 1, which again, we'll look at that next time. And he's presenting a scenario that the the typical Jew who was given the oracles of God, and that's the, the kind of the context he talks about that, because of their laws that they cherished, They're hearing Paul talk about how God is going to judge the Gentiles, and he's almost setting them up, but there's a purpose for it, for them to say, tisk, 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 you Gentiles, I can't believe you. And then all of a sudden, we come to chapter 2. So let's jump right into chapter 2, because this is the perfect example of a double standard. Romans chapter 2 Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore thou, just, you know, he's been focusing on the Jews, or the Gentiles, how bad they are, how wicked they are. And then he turns to the Jews and he says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, Thou condemnest thyself, for thou, ju- thou that judgest do it the same things. Let's talk about judging for a few minutes. Is it always wrong to judge? Now, most people today, if you ask someone off the street, they would say, absolutely. And they'd even give you a scripture for it. Matthew 7, verse 1, Jesus said, Judge not that ye be not judged. And usually when it's in the context, it's always like, you know, judging is always wrong. And any person who judges is a bad person. Why? Well, and, and what is judging? Judging is criticizing something, isn't it? It's saying, you know what, that's not right. Huh. Here's a statement. Have you ever said that? That's not right. I've said it. Are we bad people because we condemn something? No. Here's the definition. You get, you, it, it, 
So many people that quote Matthew 7 and verse 1, where Jesus said, Judge not that ye be not judged. First of all, take that verse out of context and take it out of the context of Scripture. Because the very book, the very chapter, the very person that made that statement talks a lot about judging and he gives a broader understanding of it. So what is judging? Here's the basic foundational idea of what judging is. Judging is simply hearing and determining. Forming an opinion. Have you bad people ever done that? We do it all the time, don't we? Don't we? We do it all the time. We, we hear stuff, we hear situations, and we form our opinions. And, and listen, no matter how... Um, no matter how tolerant you are, no matter how um, loving you are, you condemn things. You do. And everybody says, oh no, no. I just, it, uh, you know what? Condemning something is wrong. It's always wrong. I'm so anti-judging. I don't believe anyone should condemn. In fact, the person that con- I condemn the person that condemns stuff. Oh, really? You condemn the person who condemned? Yeah, because it's wrong. Who's to say what's right and wrong? Well, you just did. Right? We all form opinions on things. And folks, that is not what Jesus is talking about when he says, judge not that ye be not judged. We all have values. And folks, let's face it. What we say and our opinion and our you know, who we criticize and what we criticize is simply a reflection of our value system. Everybody condemns something. Please understand that. In fact, you know, we often talk about, well, you should, you should love the sinner and hate the sin. And, and that's true because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But please understand, folks, someday... Jesus isn't just sending, you know, Jesus is not sending sin to hell. He's sending people. People are going to go to hell because they are being judged. And so there is a right and a wrong. And the idea of, you know, forming, again, what is judgment? Hearing and determining, forming an opinion. It's the first part of the definition. I'll give you the next last word in the simple definition in a little bit. But again... The double standard is what we want to talk about because that is the sign and I think most, if not everybody does it, but but we don't see it in ourselves. We don't realize that so many times we have condemned, and that's Paul's point here in Romans 2. In fact, look at it. Romans 2 and verse 1. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. Now that sounds like a blanket statement. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Now you've got to get the context. He is not just condemning anyone that forms an opinion and says, that's wrong or that person's wrong. He's not saying that. He's condemning the double standard. That we take a scenario and we, we hear it, we listen, we form an opinion, and then we say, that's wrong. 
But the thing is, we don't often see that it may be that very standard that we ourselves have violated. And it's so easy, it's so much easier to see it in other people. Please understand that. I mean, there's people that just go around condemning everybody and anything, and a lot of times they're guilty of the very same thing they condemn. And that's the point. Remember, thou art inexcusable. Oh man, and it's generic, mankind. Do not take that personal, ladies. Uh, mankind is the idea of that. Whosoever thou art that judgest, and again, notice what he's condemning. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For, here, he, he's saying, here's the context. Here's what's so inexcusable. Not that you have opinions. Not that you formed your idea of, okay, this is right conduct, this is wrong conduct. But you're condemning people and you're condemning things and you do the same thing. Last part of the verse. That's what he's condemning. Now, as far as this whole idea of judging, look at verse 2. But we are sure that the judgment of God, and there is judgment of God. Everybody's screaming for it. Whereas, you look at how people, if there's injustice that shows its head in a million different places... Even people that don't believe God are in a God or they don't believe God, they're screaming for justice. That's not right. How can that go on? In fact, how many times have people written God off because they say, you know, if there was a God and he was a loving God and he was holy, he would not allow that. See, they're, they're crying out for judgment, are they not? They're saying there's wrong things going on in the world. But we are sure, verse 2, that the judgment of God is according to truth. This is the bottom line. This is where we often get skewed in our opinions of what's right and wrong and who should be condemned and, and how that's just not right, that shouldn't happen. We are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And he goes back to the, the hypocrite, the double standard person, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Here's the gist of it. This is the key. When you and I are pointing our fingers at something and really laying into it, if you and I aren't examining ourselves, we may be condemning ourselves without even realizing it. Or despisest thou, and then verse 4 goes into the, the crux of this, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. When we write people off, and the idea of judge, that last word I told you, the, the definition of judge, the basic is hearing and determining. And we all do that. Forming an opinion. In fact, when, when someone says, wow, that person is really opinionated. Well, the bottom line is we're all opinionated. But what does that mean? It means somebody's real quick to condemn things and let everybody know. Right? I'm against this. The person who's opinionated is usually someone that's known by what they are against primarily. Man, they're always, we know what, it's the one that has a million bumper stickers on their, their car, you know, for whatever cause. And by the way, if you have a million bumper stickles, stickers on your car, I'm not condemning you, okay? Um, I'm just saying that, you know, we talk about opinionated people. We all have opinions. But here's the point. 
When we're conde- oh, and the th- so the last word in this simple definition of judging, hearing and determining, forming an opinion. Do you judge just with that? Yes, you do. Now this next word, which is only one word, is what we think of with judging, and we all do it because if we look at something, we form an opinion. That opinion is. This is acceptable, this isn't. And it's this word, dooming, dooming. That's what judging is, you know. You're, again, you are hearing and determining something, you're forming an opinion, and you're dooming. You're saying, that's not right. That's judging. And by the way, that is not, that is not a blanket statement that Jesus is saying when he says, judge not that you be not judged. In fact, next, in two weeks, we're going to look at that context. And it's just what we're talking about in Romans 2. You're looking and picking someone else apart because you see something that's wrong in their life and you're looking at it and trying to take the splinter out of their eye and Jesus says, you don't realize you have a beam in your own eye. That's the idea. The double standard is that you're not holding others to the same measurement that you use. Now again, you're, you might be one to say, man, I know who's... I'm so glad so-and-so's in the room right now. You know, usually we just think of other people. And what I want is, I want you to just, let's look at ourselves. We all do it. The more conscious you are of your tendency to do it, the better off you will be. Two things we're going to look at this morning. Um, First of all, what is a double, double standard? I'm kind of right in the midst of that. And then the secondly, the concept of judging. So we looked at Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable. So the double standard is not acceptable to God. That we would condemn in other people and not see it in ourselves. So what, the, let's look at the phrase double standard. It actually goes back to the, um, actually goes back to the 18th and 19th century economic policies called bimetallism. You ever heard of bimetallism? The idea, it was, ba- it was a monetary system that was based on two metals, a double standard. So initially where it came from was not a bad thing. And it's a great example. Let's go, why don't you take your Bibles and look at Matthew 18. And I, I, I may not like go word for word here, but many of you are very familiar with this. I've used this illustration, this situation often. Matthew chapter 18. Begins in verse 23, Jesus says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. And it's interesting, you remember this story. There was a king, someone came to him, and this person owed him 10,000 talents. Remember that? And the man could not pay, and he begged for forgiveness. And this is the summary, the king had compassion and forgave him. And then that character turned around and found someone that owed him nowhere near what he owed the other person, and he demanded that that person pay back. And the whole, in fact, Jesus is using this in the same way that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 2, despising the forbearance of God. It's interesting how when it comes to us being judged, we're crying out for mercy. Hey, nobody's perfect. You ever say that? Usually it's when the attention's on us. But somebody double-cross us, and we want judgment. We want, 
you know, we, hey, that's not right. You know, we, that's when we call for it. Well, what is the double standard? It's having two measurements that aren't consistent. Now, again, initially that was not bad. Initially it was a monetary thing. And, and we're going to see it here. Jesus is talking about someone that owed him, uh, uh, someone that owed the king 10,000 talents. And that's where this bimetallism comes in. The other guy, he only owed 100 pence, which, by the way, is the Greek word for, den- you ever hear of denarii? Uh, and that simply was a day's wage for the Roman soldier and the typical person. So here's a guy that owed an astronomical amount of money to a king, and he couldn't pay it. He asked for mercy, and the king had compassion and forgave him. And that same guy turned around and found someone that owed him a paltry amount that couldn't pay it and demanded it. Now, if you have been forgiven of God, you're in that first category. You have a debt. I have a debt that we could never pay. So let's talk about 10,000 talents. You say, man, if I had 10,000 talents, I'd be a superstar. I could sing. I could play hockey. I could play baseball. I mean, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be like, no, we're not talking about talents that way. A talent is a, a measurement of money. And this is where, you know, buy, the idea buy metalism is. This is what a double standard is. You will hear preachers like myself, when we talk about this text, tell you this. Because all it says here is 10,000 talents. And a talent is a measurement. So how much is 10,000 talents? I already told you what 100 pence was. A pence, a pence actually, I said, one pence is a day's wage. So 100 pence is more than just one day's work. But let's, let's translate that today. That's easy. Minimum wage today is $7.25. I believe I'm right. Now the average work day back in, in Bible times was not eight hours. I believe it was... Uh, 10 hours, and so you multiply, 12 hours it was actually. So you multiply 725 by 12, and that comes to $87 a day. So 100 denarii, or, or 100 pence, would be about $8,700 by today's standard. So you have a debt of today now. So, you know, we're, doing, we're doing some measuring back in that time and translating it into here. That's, we're judging. I'm judging Say, Pastor, I'm not coming back there. They're just so judgy, you know. We're all judgy. We're making decisions, you know. So I'm letting you know that the debt here was it'll be about if you owed this debt in this this way, be about eighty seven hundred dollars. Now is that a is that a significant debt? Yeah, but many of you know many people owe, owe Visa or Mastercard more than that, don't they? You know, and it's and it's not enough to sink you permanently, is it? But the 10,000 talents. Now, if you and I are going to understand that, we need to have the double standard. What? Because we don't know. Was he talking about gold or silver? And that's what bimetallism is. If he's talking 10,000 talents of gold, then that would be, in today's terms, about $11.9 billion. Anybody want to be in debt? $11.9 billion? Come to America. We are, our nation's in way more debt than that. Now that sounds astronomical. Now just so you know, if it's silver, if that's the standard, then we're only talking about $161 million. You say, I still could never pay that. 
Well, which would you would you rather be eleven point nine billion dollars in debt or one hundred sixty one million dollars? The bottom line is we could never pay that off, most of us, could we? And that's the idea. And yet, when God saved us, folks, He cleaned a slate way bigger than that, because our sin was an eternal offense against a holy God, and we don't deserve to be forgiven. And I don't. All you people that are trying to work your way to heaven, you'd need to be baptized five million times. Give all your money every day to the poor. You'd have to go to church literally every day. And and it's still, you wouldn't be scratching the surface. You could never pay for it. That's why you need a Savior. So that's the double standard as it started. It's using, you know, well, is it the gold standard or the silver standard? And then it's going to determine the outcome. Now, when you and I are judging things, we all have a measuring rod. And it's all different. So you probably condemn different things than I do. And I probably condemn different things than you. And vice versa, you probably praise things. The world is definitely praising things that we would not praise. And they're holding up heroes that they never would have held up and that we would not hold up. So, what is the double standard? It is... It is not holding people to the same rule. Let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 12. I want to show you an example of this. Now this man that I'm going to mention, as soon as I mention his name, uh, and if I, ask, if I were to ask you, are you thinking of a good guy or a bad guy? Nobody would be thinking, here's a good guy. As soon as I mention the name, even if you don't know the story, uh, the event, you're going to be like, oh, this guy did something bad because he's one of the bad guys. But I want you to understand that if we were traveling back in time and we were sitting around and one of Jesus' disciples and we were watching this, we would not have the commentary we have today. We wouldn't know this guy, Judas. We wouldn't know that he's one of the bad guys. He would be one of us. Okay. Now let's look what's happening. Romans, John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now again, folks, this man has been condemned for what you're about to read for 2,000 years. But if we went back into that time, and we didn't get God's commentary on it, we would probably have a whole different take. By the way, keep in mind, that's going on around us every day. Where you and I are making judgment opinions about things and we don't know the whole story. That's why Paul said in one of the verses, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. He's going to bring everything out. Again, he's not saying don't judge, period. He's saying just keep in mind, you don't know all the facts. So what's happening? Look at, look at this. Imagine you and I Let's call his name, let's call his name um, Ralph instead of Judas, okay? And it, so we're going to talk about the disciple you never heard of named Ralph. And, uh, and he's sitting there and, um, in, in John chapter 12, after he made supper, verse 3, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. Okay, so there's this lady that comes up to Jesus with a very expensive bo- bottom very expensive bottle of cologne, 
um, very costly, and he anointed the feet of Jesus. She anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Wow. So this is, if you weren't paying attention to Jesus and what was going around, on around him, just the smell would direct your attention to this. Then say if one of his disciples, Ralph, Simon's son, you know, we're, we're hypothetical here. He said, verse 5, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now, let's take it out of the context. This is just Ralph. We don't know him from Adam. And he's bringing out a very good point. Is he not? Is it good to be a wise steward of your finances? Is it? Yes. Can you imagine this scenario played out a million times? But do you know that in the last 2,000 years, I think it's safe to say that no preacher has ever preached a message called why Judas was a good steward of his finances. You know, or Ralph, excuse me, Ralph. But notice what he says. Again, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now take this out of the context, folks. This was frivolous, apart from all we know. And, and you can imagine, very it'd be very possible that the other disciples looked at him and said, hmm, good point, and then looked at Jesus. Like, how could you let her do that? Or maybe that same contempt when, when Judas said that was felt by others. Like, you know how, you've, have you ever condemned something? that you realize later you didn't understand the full picture? That's what was going on. And it would not surprise me if Peter or John or you know, Thomas wrinkled their nose and said, wow, that's a good point, Judas. I'm kind of surprised that Jesus would do that. Now we have the commentary in verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. We don't know that. We don't see people's heart, do we? Folks, this kind of thing goes on all the time. But rather, because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Isn't that amazing? The most unqualified person to have control of their finances was the guy that could, should not be trusted. And Jesus knew that. He allowed it for a lesson, didn't he? Did he not? But you see, again, let's go back to that. That's a double standard. Judas is sitting there pointing the finger at, was it Mary or Martha? Mary. How, what a waste. Shame on you. You should be ashamed of yourself. You could have taken that ointment and sold it and given it to the poor. And he's pointing at Mary and what? There's three fingers pointing back at him. He was the loser. Because what Mary did was honoring the Savior who was going to go to cro the cross and pay for the sins of the world. Wow, that's a double standard, folks. And that is where you and I have to be so very careful. We were going to, well, this might be, end up being a three-pointer, three-parter rather. Um, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul says, therefore judge nothing before, I already quoted that. All right, let me just close with this since our time is just about up. And, and I mentioned this because I was thinking about it because of the message. 
at the men's conference, I mentioned something that I mentioned to you before. It, there was a book that was published within the last couple of years, and it was by a, a Frenchman, Frenchman named Frederick Martel, and it was exposing. It's called "Out of the Closet" or "In the Closet of," and then it's a, a major religious organization, uh, and it's you know in the closet. And what this man is doing is he is exposing homosexuality in the higher echelons of a major, supposedly Christian organization. Now, the things that he brings out have been documented, and you read it, and it is a scathing report. And by the way, folks, just because somebody's condemning something, just because someone's saying, here's something that's wrong, doesn't make them wrong. I've said this before. Truth welcomes examination. Truth welcomes criticism because it, it, can, it can reveal that it's true if it is. And so, by the way, and, and I'll say this, if there ever, if, yeah, like, there's going to come out a book called Pastor Lion's Deception. It's going to be a bestseller because everybody knows me, right? No, but you know what? If somebody, you know, you got to hear things out and... I've learned, I have learned this, that if there's ever a book that comes out about a teacher that I respect, I'm getting it. Because I want to know. You know. And by the way, I'm always aware in all these books that sometimes the writer can have ulterior motives. And by the way, all these books show one thing, that, that we're all sinners. Amen? Just some people are not worthy to be in a position of leadership, and that needs to be exposed. So in this expose, you would think, because it's very condemning, that you would think, oh, well, this man obviously has an axe to grind. He's obviously biased. He's probably a homophobe. That's what they say today, right? Frederick Martel is a openly practicing homosexual. What? He's a homosexual that is condemning homosexual in, you know, homosexuals in a, in a religion? That's not what he's condemning. He's condemning the hypocrisy. And he documents that the people in this church that are most vocal against homosexuality are doing it because they're covering their own homosexuality. And that's what he has a problem with. Now, we should have a problem with that too. You know, that's what a double standard is. And by the way, when we all play this out, we're going to close now. We're going to pick up with it in, in two weeks. Next week will be Thanksgiving, the topic. Then we'll pick up with it. We may even go into the next week. But when we conclude this, I want to share with you what I think today is one of the, in my mind, and I'm probably wrong, and I'm probably not even thinking of myself and some, you know, hypocrisy. But what I see as a glaring double standard in the world today and in America I hear so many people denouncing something which should be denounced. But multitudes of those same people that are pointing their finger and saying that is wrong are then defending something else. They're not using the same standard and it is so glaring. But as we go through this, let's just ask God to show us, are we, and we'll look at David, remember David, 
Nathan, or, um, yeah, Nathan came to him with a little story about, I've said this so many times, remember that story, right? This neighbor had a, a big sh- a flock of sheep and his one neighbor had a little pet lamb and this, this rich person was going to invite friends over. So instead of taking one of his own lambs to slaughter it, he stole or he took his neighbor's pet, killed it and served it. And David hears this hypothetical scenario and then with great passion, and this is the key. Sometimes, folks, you and I are so passionate about something and it's good to be passionate. And it's good to be passionate against evil. But we've got to make sure it's not because we don't have a clear conscience. And that's, that's what the case with David was. Can you imagine that? I, I would love to see a videotape of it. They didn't record it back then. I guess they didn't have their iPhones with them. But I would have loved to have seen David's faith when, face when Nathan said, Thou art the man. Now that, that challenge, folks, can come back to us in a thousand different scenarios. But it might be good if that's what happens because if you're not saved and you're, you're sitting there condemning all these other things that are wrong and you're just upset about it and you're not saved, you're very likely in that same scenario. None of us are without condemnation. That's why we need the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We need to be forgiven of our sins, repent, and go to Calvary. May God help us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us as we examine and just look at this idea of a double standard. Uh, Father, so many people, it's so glaring to many of us. And when I share, Lord, the, the, the thing that I've been thinking about so much, everybody's self-righteously, and in some ways, Lord, they are condemning something that is very, very evil and should be condemned. But they're not seeing their own double standard as they, on one hand, condemn something and then, on the other hand, uh, demand uh, for this other injustice to continue. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see, to be consistent, to judge righteous judgment, as Jesus said, and we'll ask, we ask your blessing. Help us to apply these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our hymn books out.